Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on everything. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 63. I mean, everything. Hello everybody. Today's show is a print and play show. Today I'm talking about print and play games mainly. I'll be talking a little bit about the uh, Solitaire print and play design contest. The games have all been finalized at this point, and it is now, if you're... If you want to participate, it is now time to print out the games and play them so you could do voting next month. I'm also talking about a game that was actually in last year's contest called Everything vs. Everything, and there is an expansion for that game in this year's contest. As always though, first, the news. Last episode I went through a list of Gen Con games that supported solitaire play. There was one I missed, uh, the Geekless entry that I went from did not mention it, supported solitaire play but it is called shadows of malice it is a co-op game it was released at gen con if you're there you might actually hear this in time to go check the game out it's a it's a fantasy map with a modular board made of hex tiles but these he- really big hex tiles each made out of smaller hexes and it's they're five hexes on a side so you're actually getting really large maps out of it, it looks really cool the game is being published by devious weasel games and is designed by uh, jim felly Okay, next up, uh, next up, Fantasy, Fi- Fantasy Flight Games has announced XCOM, the board game. If you're not familiar with XCOM, this is a, based on a video game franchise of many years. It's a, a well-beloved uh, franchise. Anyway, this is a, a game for one to four players. I believe it, therefore, it is cooperative. What is interesting about this, and may turn some people off, is that it requires you to download an app or at least use uh, the browser to go to the website and use the app there. And the uh, the app will help run the game for you, I guess. Some people may not like that. One thing I heard that was interesting is that, you know, you, they can actually accomplish some things that you couldn't do with a normal board game, or at least not so easily. Like, for example, the aliens could start messing with you and hack into your computer or something like this. And if that happens, you might start getting results that are unexpected just because the aliens are affecting what you're seeing. And you wouldn't realize this until later on when they've been messing with you and tampering with the results you're getting in the game. I don't know if they're messing with your die rolls or or what. So it actually sounds pretty neat. Then there is Dungeon Saga. Oh, wait, it's got a longer name than that. It is called Dungeon Saga, The Dwarf King's Quest. This is on Kickstarter. It uh, now, because it reached some funding level, it includes an AI deck, a solo AI deck. This is a looks like a dungeon crawl game, fantasy themed. It's currently up to four hundred thousand out of the fifty thousand dollar go. It'll bring different minis and all that, and and tiles to build the dungeon as you're playing. So it looks pretty cool. There's some really nice shots there of painted figures. I don't know if you're getting painted figures or not. And finally, one other Kickstarter item. Where did it go? This is called Scenes of Chance Roleplaying Adventure Companion. This is pretty neat for the uh, solitaire role player. These are a deck of cards, oversized cards. And if you're, you're playing adventure, and for example, if you're going through a, a forest, you'll pull out all the cards that have the forest icon on them, shuffle them up, and then draw one randomly, and flip over the back and roll some dice to get some sort of random encounter or thing going on that you get to deal with after that. So that's a, that's a nice way to throw in uh, some surprises and mix things up for you, or just maybe be a pretend DM or something like that. 
So it's Scenes of Chance, and you could get this for relatively cheap, $21. We'll get you shipped to the U.S. for free. You're getting something like 56 three-and-a-half by five-and-three-quarters-inch sized cards. They're pretty big, and they got really nice art on them. Okay, that's my news. So today I want to talk about the uh, Solitaire Print-and-Play Design Contest. The uh, the submission deadline has come and gone. Uh, August 2nd was the last day to enter a game. August 9th was the last day to submit minor corrections to these games. At this point, there are 28 games entered in the Solitaire Print-and-Play Contest. Now is the time to go print them out, play them, and see what you like. Voting is going to happen the last week or so of the contest, which is early September. Voting deadline is September 13th, so and I think you get about a week to vote, so I'm guessing around the 6th or so, it'll the voting will open up. Now these are all print-and-play games, so you need to print them out and that sort of thing generally. Some can be played through Vassal, so if you have Vassal on your computer, you could just download the files for that game and play it, or you could download Vassal, that's free software. Um, personally, I find digital versions of board games less satisfying than the physical ones. But, you know, it may work out for some. It'll definitely work out for some. Okay, so let me just go through this list. Uh, maybe this will entice you to try them out. First up, Grunts by uh, BGG user Brad. Let me read the flavor text for you, because honestly, I have, I don't know much about most of these games, so I think for some of them, this is just what I have to do. So, every war, every country, every time. It always comes down to boots on the ground, the foot soldiers, the infantry, the cannon fodder. Grunts is a game about them. They are the currency of victory. Your job as captain is to buy victories, so spend well. That sounds like an interesting uh, war game. It might be the sort of thing where it's an abstract high-level thing, or it could be a detail game where you're actually controlling little soldiers and moving around on a map. Both sound interesting. Next, X-Hour Xenostrike by uh, Zombie Homer. So this is an action point-based Dice allocation game, so, uh, think something like uh, Kingsburg maybe or something like that. And you, you're in command of an elite combat team of advanced personnel exosuits, affectionately known as APES. I guess that is the acronym, Advanced Personnel Exosuits. Your mission is to exterminate xenomorphs that have infested a facility before it gets overwhelmed by their incessant spawning. Okay, number three, Galactic Hegemony by Luke Phillips. It is a space exploration themed light uh, 4X game. The goal is to control all the planets in the galaxy before your time runs out. I, I love the idea of 4X games. Really, there's three of the X's that I like, which is explore and expand. I'm not so keen on exterminate and um, extrapolate, exacerbate. I, I don't remember what the fourth X is offhand. That was Le- Galactic Hegemony. Uh, number next is Land 6 by Santiago Examino. In Land 6, your goal is to create an empire. You must raise cities, feed your citizens, train soldiers, conquer other empires. You must do it with only 6 dice. <laughs> Hence the name Land 6. Okay. The next one is Reconquista by David Kershaw. This is a game I'm interested in because it's about the retaking of the Spanish Peninsula from the Moors. Um, this is a voice that's an interesting subject. The, it's an area movement war game. It, uh, 
if I remember right, it's by the same guy that did Solitaire Caesar and some other Solitaire War games. Next one up is Modern Times Wheel of Industrialization by Alexander Saranac. It's a Euro game style board game bordering with a puzzle. You're warned. It uses resource management combined with board rotation mechanics. So, sort of like a Zolkin game, I guess. It, your goal is to build from one to three factions using resources available or produced in ever-changing environments. But be warned, each production comes with a price. And there are also taxes to be paid to the government. Sounds like, sounds like a, a, a fun, sounds like a fun Euro game. The next game is called Dystopian, the investigation deck game. This is a, an investigation deck game. I'm not sure what that means, but it's, it's a co-op game, so it's actually one to four players. Um, and you're playing the role of investigators of a dystop, of the Dystopian Police Department, DPD. And you're searching town, traveling to different locations, interacting with the various encounters you meet. And it is by Michelle S. Manek. Uh, next one is Eleven Seas for One by David Harding. I have played this one and I've really enjoyed it actually. It's a very small, tiny, tiny card game. You're a Grosner, the maid to Lady Agatha Smith, one of the wealthiest landowners in the district. She is holding a gala high tea at 11 o'clock. Oh dear, you only have 50 minutes to get ready and where is that sugar? You mustn't be late. The madam's reputation is at stake. I like this one because you print it out, it's only 13 cards total, and you really only need 11 of them. 10. The next game is Rail Baron Rivals by Jack Neal. It's a game where you and a rival baron are competing to have the most cash after 12 years of development. This is in the golden age of uh, rail in the U.S. Northeast. Each year is represented by a turn in which you will roll 5 special dice that are used by one or more railroads to build tracks, expand cities, and improve infrastructure. You may invest in any of these companies by acquiring shares. The more shares you have of the successful roads, the richer you will be. If you get the right combination of shares, shares and each railroad has increased in value, then you have won the game. Reminds me of the, the video game Railroad Tycoon by Sid Meier from many, many, many years ago. Um... Next is Stranded No More by Daniel Ism. It's a game where you play as Oscar Locke, Captain Oscar Locke, a stranded pirate whose, whose luck just turned around. Another crew of pirates has landed on the island where you are stranded by your mutinous ex-crew. This new crew of pirates are here to bury the treasure, leaving their boat unmanned just off the coast. You could try to man the ship yourself, but with no gold to spend, what's the point? Capture the treasure before it's buried and make it to the ship to the sail of the high seas with your newly claimed booty. Don't Let Them Get You by Jan Schroeder is next. This is a uh, escape the dungeon type game, but all you're using is two decks of 52 cards, one die, and four card stands. The whole game plays about 15 minutes, so you don't actually have to print anything out for this game. You just need to find something to stand cards up with, and you could probably improvise that too. Next, Antihero by Jason Keeping. Antihero is a solitaire print-and-play game which is an RPG-style character development element. I like that. The player takes on the role of a fledging superhero slash villain created by freak accident at a local nuclear facility. That sounds familiar. Your character is just getting to grips with his new skills and powers which he has just acquired through the mutations of his genes. Yeah, I guess it sounds like... um. 
a superhero origin story kind of thing, or supervillain origin story. Next is RMM, Robo Maintenance Mayhem by Lines J. Hutter. It's a towel lane and moving game where you have to fight your way through a factory. The problem is there's three aggressive bots that are trying that'll try everything to stop you and create chaos wherever they can. Each of these mechanical each of these machines behaves differently. Once you arrive at the surveillance room, you'll find the switches you have to activate to turn off the bots. The main part of the game is a flexible and constantly changing action grid. So you're I guess you're rolling dice and then assigning them to different spaces of the grid or moving them around. And that's how you uh, take actions and stuff. Next is The Seeker in the Forest of Whirr by Todd Sanders. I like the name of this game. You're a mystic seeker who must navigate through a path in the forest to gain the chosen goal. With a small deck of cards, the player will encounter two choices along the path and must either overcome obstacles or pass them by with a possible loss of obstacles. It reminds me a lot of the game Friday. Obstacles that are overcome will be added to the player's deck and give them further abilities. Yeah, it sounds an awful lot like Friday. Las Vegas Whaler by Andrew Hagen. Or maybe Andrew Hagen. Your job is to bring high rollers, whales, to casinos. You bring enough to add your reputation if you fall short of it works against you. So it's f- four to eight rounds, and at the end, you need to have a higher positive score than, a high- than your negative score. I like that you've got two scores to keep track of. Forest Sprite uh, by Mark DeStefano. Use your sprite and your team of woodland creatures to protect your forest. Each turn, new troubles arise in the forest, and the player must use his or her few actions and resources wisely to keep the forest safe. It's got a character creation, campaign mode, and level advancements, uh, spell skill advancement, etc. Uh, next, Blood Rush by Javier Martin. Uh, it's a short and thematic microgame designed for solo play about a vampire and his minions raiding a small town for victims. Cool. The game features minimal components, strategic decisions, and interesting character abilities. You get to make smart use of powers and race against the clock to capture villagers before the Inquisition shows up. Next one, I may not pronounce this correctly, but maybe I will. I don't know. Supermarché? No. Supermarché. Or is it Supermarché? I don't know. It is by Ryan Mays. It's a, it's a, <clears throat> it's a game in which you own a grocery store and your goal is to make money. You're responsible for keeping the shelf stocked, but also for buying food at low prices and making a profit. Your customers are demanding, so you better have what they want. Will you sell everything before it spoils? Will you be successful? Will your store go under and close down? Everything Except Air by Carolyn Berg. That's a neat looking game. I saw a playthrough of that on uh, the Solitaire Games on your table geek list, where somebody took some really neat pictures of the game and put a neat story. It's a... The game is just black and white, so that's pretty neat. And you're investigating alien ruins of Mars, just as you're getting ready to take all the artifacts back to your ship. Disaster strikes! A meteor storm sweeps across the planet. Your equipment is damaged, your oxygen is running low, and to top it off, the dust kicked up by the meteor has obstructed the location of your ship. What had been days worth of air is now only a few scant hours. You have to make it back to your spaceship. But what about all the artifacts you've already found? Decide what to take and what to leave. But remember, if you take too much, you run out of oxygen faster. Ooh, a neat little push your luck game. Uh, num- uh, next one, Raider 13 Penguin by Bruce Mansfield. I guess is a sequel to last year's Raider, not last year, a few years ago, Raider 16. And uh, 
It introduces a new take on the lone ship against the Royal Navy theme. Oh, much more details being to the ship-to-ship -ship engagements. Various missions assigned by the German High Command, a detailed ship manifest, fuel concerns, captured cargo and enemy prisoners, secret documents, many different actions, and a new ocean to prowl. Okay, so that sounds neat. I talked about uh, Radio 13 a while ago on the podcast. I had that in an episode of Evan Bright. Uh, so this is another one. That was a World War One game. I assume this is the same. Okay, next is Facility by Jake Staines. Uh, facility, a small group of invaders, breaks into a well-guarded facility. Skulking in the shadows, sneaking up behind guards and taking them down, silently dragging the bodies out of sight. Yeah. With the goal of stealing valuable corporate secrets or assassinating the enemy's or assassinating the enemy strategist, or sabotaging top secret industrial production. What's the catch? You don't control the team breaking in, you control the guards. Well, that's neat. It almost sounds like a tower defense game. All the control isn't quite the word. You pick the crew and set them on their patrol routes. Then, via a hand, a hand of cards, interject with the casual glances over the shoulder or decisions to switch patrol routes at a critical moment to catch invaders off guard. That sounds neat, too. Next is Dinos, Dice, and Dynamites by Andrew Hagen. I think that's the second one by him. I do know that people are allowed to enter two games. The second one had to be a smaller game. Um, the theme is Bone Wars. This was a period of the late 19th century when two archaeologists or paleontologists fiercely competed to find dinosaur bones in the American West. In the rush, many new techniques and ancient species were discovered, greatly advancing the science, but two also sabotaged each other. With dynamite and high critical news, highly critical newspaper articles, which hurt reputation and egos. He have read a little bit about this, or heard a little bit about this period, when the archaeology was pretty much sort of like Indiana Jones, where people just went and did their own thing, and sometimes trying to find and save bones went second place to to the glory for finding them. Okay, so next is case twenty, case number twenty-seven, a solitaire social deduction game. This is interesting. You are a private detective hired to solve a murder that police have given up on. Um, you must question your friends, relatives, acquaintances, or even strangers about their whereabouts at the time of the murder, as well as dredge up some information about their lives in order to determine who the murderer is. Have casual conversations with them and ask them innocent questions, but don't let them know that they are murder suspects. So this is cool. It's a social game. You're talking to other people, trying to solve a crime. The thing is, the other people don't know you're playing a game, so you gotta you gotta ask them questions without giving the fact that this is a game. That's pretty neat, yeah. And this was uh, by Nate Kurth. I don't think I mentioned his name. Uh, next, Angel Eagle Dragon Fay Allies Against the Wraith by Andy K. Your city is under attack by the AI Wraith, a creature of pure information, who have overridden the spirits of being and turned them against you. Angels, eagles, dragons, and fay are your allies, but they're often outnumbered and even. And every time the Wraith gets through the allied defenses, the Wraith evolve. Um, this game uses just a standard deck of playing cards. And so those four uh, powers, Angel, Eagle, Dragon, Fae, are the different suits. Oh, really? Next is Eve, Return of the Director. So this is uh, Everything versus Everything, the game I'm going to be talking about later. There is an expansion for it in this year's contest. It is designed by Chad Metzka and Kyle W. Kyle Wolf. Uh, Chad designed the original game last year. I believe it was just him. Um, 
this expansion is, I think, more of the same. I haven't really looked into it yet. But I will be talking about the game itself later, so you could hear about that there. Next is Escort Missions by John Paul Meserly. Your mission is to protect the company's shipping lanes from the trader fleet. Xenoslavers and pirates in this sector. In Escort Missions, you start off doing escort missions and later advance to hunter missions. This sounds like a, a space game. The gameplay focuses on assigning crew, managing damage control, and exploring dangerous sectors of the expanse. You must learn when to push your ship to its limits, and when to use cunning ploys, and when to draw the enemy fire away from the ships you are sworn to protect. The Ark Fleet is counting on you. Okay, and just a couple more. Uh, number 27, Ultima 1, the board game. So this is neat, this is a board game based on the original Ultima 1 video game from years and years ago by Richard Garriott. I don't think I ever played Ultima 1, but I definitely played some of the Ultima games and I really enjoyed them. It's just really cool, classic adventure, dungeon crawl kind of games. Um, so in this game you play as one of four characters, a thief, the mage, fighter, or the cleric, who adventure across the land of Sosaria, that is the game boards, to accomplish goals, Gather gold, gather gems, weapons, armor, etc, etc, etc. You get to go into dungeons, castles and towns for supplies, equipment, and trans and information. So it really sounds a lot like the uh, Ultima video games. So that's pretty cool. And did I mention who did that one? That was uh, Joseph Propati. And finally, number 28, Frederick Fleet by Weston Stapleton. Um... Uh, the RMS Titanic and Olympic class ocean liner publicizes the safest bet for maritime travel, attracted passengers by the thousands into what would become an unforgettable tragedy. Employed as the on-watch lookout when the iceberg was spotted, Frederick Fleet hailed those unforgettable words, Iceberg, right ahead! In Frederick Fleet, the player will take the role of the RMS Titanic's lookout. Will you be able to spot the massive ice that claims so many... In that historic night, would you adopt to the conditions with enough time to alter Titanic course and make history by saving thousands of innocent lives? So that's pretty neat. Um, there you go. That's all 28 games that are in the contest. I hope some of those sound interesting. If you haven't uh, checked out the contest yet, I really urge you to do it. Participate in the contest by playing some of these games and voting on the ones you like. There, as I said, they're print and play, so. Some of the fun of it is putting the games together. Sometimes it's slow work, but sometimes it can be very enjoyable. Uh, give it a try. Okay, so today's game is Everything versus Everything. It was designed by Chad Metzdahl. It was published uh, in 2013, and it was actually in last year's uh, Solitaire Print and Play Design Contest. Um, this game is, is actually for one or two players. And this is a... A game in which you basically have a bunch of characters from popular fiction. So the idea is, what if, you know, I took some characters and you took some other powerful characters and we face them off against each other. Who would win? Right, so you might have stuff like uh, Mewtwo from Pokemon and Master Chief from Halo and uh, the Warp Core from Star Trek and R2-D2 from Star Wars and Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. That sort of thing. And so you're fighting all these characters against each other. That's the basic premise of the game. In the solitaire version of the game, you're fighting against the the director. 
and he is basically a, an artificial AI controlled using a deck of cards. So what this game brings, um, so if you print this game out, you're going to have to print out a lot of stuff. Is It is a print and play game. It is, uh, there's probably something like 40 different characters to pick from, and there's 24 director cards, and then there's a bunch of HP dice cards, which are optional. So you're going to have to print all these cards out. You will need a, a bunch of dice. I think the rules recommend something like 40. I got a brick of Chessex dice of the little mini 12 millimeter dice, and that brings 36 in it, and that was always plenty. And if you don't have that many dice, or don't want to get that many dice for whatever reason, you could use the dice cards, and you'll need a bunch of counters on them, cubes or something like that. And you could probably borrow those from another game, or hopefully you have spare bits laying around. Suppose you could even use something like change, pennies. Even if you do use the dice, you'll still need a lot of counters, because you'll be placing them on the cards for different things. Uh, when I played, I found it, it helped me if I had a, a few different colored counters. Mainly two types of counters, really. But if you've got a third one, that also helps because you start putting a lot of things on cards, and you have 10 or 12 at a time, and I started using some counters to to represent 5. But I'm sort of jumping ahead. So as I said, in this game, you've got different characters, and they're fighting each other. So each character has different abilities. There's a couple attributes. They have uh, hit points, which are represented by dice. So all the characters generally have from 2 to 4 dice, and they're set at some value when they start. A lot of times it's six, but not always. Um, so if you total up all the numbers and all the dice that the character has, that is their current hit point at the time. These can go up or down, generally through effects of specific cards in the game. Um, besides that, they have a, I guess, a character type. For example, Sonic the Hedgehog is a cartoon. There's also humans, machines, and there's other. Pretty much it's humans, machines, and cartoons. And then finally, the characters have abilities. Each card has two different abilities. Sometimes one of the abilities is a permanent ability that's always active. But a lot of times the ability is something you have to actually activate. I forgot one of the components you need when you play this game. You need to have a deck of cards, maybe two decks of cards. Um, each of the abilities that a character has, you trigger by playing a card, cards from your hand. You're gonna, there's going to be some hand management in this game. There's going to be some hand management in this game. And the, so like for example, Cyclops from the X-Men, his main ability is do four damage to the opposing character, then do one damage to each character that is neighbors that opposing character. To use that ability, you gotta play three cards from your hand, one has to be a spades, one's a heart, and one's a diamond. When you start this game, you're gonna shuffle up all the character cards, and deal out six piles of six face down, and then take the first pile, look through it, and pick one card for yourself. Go to the next pile, pick a second card for yourself, go to the next pile, pick a third card for yourself, and so on until you have six cards. Then you're going to take all the cards you didn't pick, so everything but your six, shuffle them up, and then draw six random ones for the to represent the, the director. One of the cards you don't look at, because that card's going to be revealed later. You set up the cards, the fi five of the director's cards and five of your cards, and then each of you have one card set aside for reserve. Um... When you set them up, they're going to be set up facing each other, but you actually have six columns. So each of you have one empty column. And it might be that your one of your characters is facing your opponent's empty column, and one of his characters is facing your empty column. That could happen, and that's totally fine. It's possible to move characters around, though it, it, that can be hard to do sometimes. Um, 
And once you've done this, you're ready to play. It's, and the gameplay is pretty straightforward. You're going to draw a card for the director, and it's going to tell you which cards take actions. There's three or four different types of actions. They could generally attack. They could get a boost counter on them. They could heal, or they could use a web ability, which actually I haven't even used a web ability yet. When the director's creatures attacks you, they always use their first ability only. Once the director has gone, you're then going to draw three cards for your hand and spend your cards to do it, to use any abilities you want to use from your characters. And once you've done that, you will repeat. There's an upkeep phase. Some cards have upkeep abilities, but generally you will go back and draw another director card at this point and keep going through this process over and over until somebody wins. Um, most of the action happens in the card abilities. That's how you attack your opponent. That's how you do things. And all the cards have different types of abilities. There's a lot of variety. Um, some can attack directly your opponent. Some you might put counters and then as you get these counters attack your opponent. Some can move around back and forth. Some can heal your characters. Um, and there's, and, and each one has two abilities so there's different combinations. What I have found that is, all the abilities tend to, to fit the character thematically very well. So there's a, I think a Dr. Dog Ross or something like that in this game from ER. Um, he will heal your characters. So, you know, that's pretty thematic. Um, the Hulk, he gets anger counters on him and then when he starts removing his anger counters, he does damage to the opponents. Um, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's basically how the game works. The uh, the setup I told you was pretty straightforward. What I did forget to tell you was once you've picked your six characters, you're then going to go ahead and build your your deck of action cards. You're going to take a deck of playing cards, or two if you want, and choose 20 cards from these decks. The only thing that matters is the symbols. Remember I told you the abilities that you play from your characters are, are played using different symbols. Um... So, for example, using Sonic the Hedgehog requires a heart and a diamond for his first ability, or just a heart for his second ability. So, if you had a bunch of characters and they all just had hearts and diamonds, you might just want to have uh, build your deck of uh, action cards out of just hearts and diamonds. Why fill it with other stuff you can't use? Though I will warn you, that's not entirely true. First of all, I don't think you could build a, a such a limited set of uh, character cards. And also, there are cards that will switch sides. So you may be clever thinking, oh, I only have hearts and diamonds on my side, so that's all I need, and then find out that your opponent starts switching cards with you and telling you've got a bunch of creatures you can't use. So there there you go. That's I described the gameplay pretty straightforward. Uh, I think learning is a little bit tricky. I think reading the rules were a little bit hard. Some stuff wasn't always entirely clear, but... But it's easy to work it out, and if you go look on the BGG forums, there there's a lot of questions and answers, and Chad has been very active on these forums. He tends to answer the questions very quickly, so I would not be worried about that. The um, I, I will say Chad sent me a copy to review. Um, he printed it out using, I believe, Printer Studio. So if you wanted the game and you don't want to print out all these cards by yourself on your own, you could order them from servers like Printer Studio or ArtsCow, and they will print and send it to you, and the quality of the cards is really nice. It, uh, I don't know the price, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll last pretty well. I think, I know when I printed out cards on my own before, they, they tend not to be very sturdy, unfortunately. 
I had a little bit of trepidation playing this game because, well, honestly, when I went through the cards looking at the different characters to pick from, I don't know half of them and most of the other half I couldn't care less about, so I was kind of like, eh, whatever, I'm not interested in this. You know, what do I care who wins in this fight, really? Do I care who, if Jack Harper from Oblivion is uh, tougher than, than Lee Chuck from Monkey Island? I've never played Monkey Island and I've never even heard of Oblivion, so it doesn't really matter to me. And that was a lot of the issues. You know, some of the characters I do know who they are, but again, I, whatever, I don't care. Lara Croft from Tomb Raider, I remember playing the video games a little bit, but eh, whatever. So so there's that issue. If you're not into the theme, into, you know, into the characters, you're not into the theme of having them fight each other, you, it's going to be hard to get into this game. I'll say, though, once I did start playing it, the the interaction between the different cards and the strategy involved and the hand management is actually really fun. The game works pretty well, and I actually ended up finding myself when I was playing, talking out what was going on, you know, like, say, uh, Laura Croft attacks somebody and killed Dracula. Say, oh, right, Laura, good job, and, you know, that sort of stuff. So, so the game is neat. The game is actually really fun. Like I said, the cards are interesting, and there's a lot of interaction between some of the cards. Um, they can help each other out. What I did find frustrating is, as I'm playing, the cards are... Many of the cards are very static and they don't really move. So you you can move, but you have to discard your hand to do that. And that's always so frustrating. It always feels like a desperate move, though it probably isn't. What can I say? I mean, it was a, it's a neat game. It's fun. All you really need is the character cards and the director cards. You don't really need the dice cards if you don't want to print them out because you could just use dice. The director cards, when you play them, there's 24 cards, but you're only going to use 10 of them each time. There's four types of cards. Um, it isn't obvious when you look at them. They all kind of look sort of similar, but if you start looking carefully, you'll realize there's attack cards, and they generally have more attack symbols than any other kind of symbol. There's defense cards, or not defense cards, um, boost cards, and they have more boost symbols than any other type of symbol. There's heal cards. They, they have heal symbols, and there's web cards. They have web symbols. So you'll find you have six of each. When you play it, you pick two of those sets and randomly pick five cards or randomly pick one card not to use from each set. And that'll be the ten you play with. I think different combinations of uh, director cards are going to work better or worse. I found that the attack and the heal was really, really hard for me. And I lost those fights for sure. Um... But, you know, they're they're all interesting and they're all challenging, I think. Um, I mentioned there's an expansion. It's in the contest now. I don't know much about it. I did look through it and it looks like it has a bunch of character cards and some new director cards. I think you get something like another 40 or 50 character cards, maybe. I think it was nine pages. And nine per page. If that's true, it's like 80 new character cards. Wow. I must be wrong because that's an awful lot. But, uh... But either way, actually, I did find a lot of these more interesting, personally, than the ones in the uh, base game. Um, just because they're characters from movies, like The Hobbit that I've seen, and stuff that I'm interested in. Um, so there you go. That's Everything versus Everything. It's a fun game. There is a lot of interaction between the different types of cards, and it's pretty neat to see how they work out sometimes. It does require a lot of cards, and it does require a lot of extra components, specifically dice and counters. But uh, neither are really hard to acquire. If you don't have tons of dice, just use more counters. And like I said, you can use pennies. Oh, and the deck of cards. 
I've only ever played with one deck of cards. Like I said, you could use two. I haven't needed that. I bet you if you use the expansion, it might end up where you might have only one or two suits that you want to have in your deck. In that case, then you need two decks of cards to play with. Alright, thank you. That's everything versus everything. And Chad, thank you for the opportunity to play this game. I really have had a good time with it. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.